0: Welcome, everybody, to Wildstorm Addiction. This is episode number nine for July 21st. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. And tonight, we're not going to be reviewing any books, but we did get to speak with Adam Beechin. So we're going to let you listen to that interview, and I hope you enjoy it. All right. Next up, we have a really special interview for you guys.
1: Uh, We have Adam Beechin on tonight. Say Hi, Adam. Hi, Adam. (laughs) sorry you you set it up and i have to knock it down and i'm glad you did because rebecca isaacs didn't fall for that so Ah. (laughs) right on how you guys
2: doing great good thanks for having me on i appreciate it
1: well thanks for agreeing to be on there's uh, a lot of fans who i know are going to appreciate this interview um before we even start with the interview and i'll give ben a chance to to do the same but uh I just want to take some time to, on behalf of all the fans, just gush at how great a job you guys are doing on this series. (laughs) Thank you. Because, I mean, as a Wildstorm fan, you know, especially like Ben and I who've been around pretty much since the beginning, you know, we've been there for the ups and downs, and right now is definitely an up. I'm glad uh, to hear you say
2: that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I really mean that. I mean... Because there's been some times over the years that it's just like, ah, oh, you know, is this ever gonna end? You know, or is it? it it's you know, is Wildstorm gonna come back? Are they gonna make a comeback? And you know, there's people who just prophesied its end. You know, that they're just waiting for any day now for DC to just say, you know what, we're done with Wildstorm. You know, <laughs> here, right. Jim Lee, take it back. You well, know?
2: I'm 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 glad that Wildstorm fans have given us the the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, I, I'm not exactly. Uh, a big name, and uh, and and Tim, while he has his followers and his fans from Hack Slash, which is awesome, uh, he may not have been known to the general populace of the Wildstorm fan base. So we're kind of unknown quantities coming in to, to do work for you guys, and, and you've all been very uh, very welcoming.
1: But yeah, so I just wanted to take some time, just you know, because obviously you know we we do this show and run this site, you know, because we're fans. Yeah. You know, and just want to let you know we appreciate all that. So Ben, your turn to gush.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. I I remember when Top you That, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can. But <laughs> I I remember when you guys were going to take over the run and people on the boards were very hesitant. I I don't really know your history, but yeah, I, even I was a little concerned just because of what they were writing having known nothing about either of you guys, but it, it's been awesome every step along the way. I'm I'm so pumped about it and excited to See so you guys take it through the whole year.
2: Thank you. I I think the hesitancy on on y'all's part is uh, is understandable, uh, considering that I'm I'm known on the internets for basically my work with one character, uh, and people who weren't terribly happy with how that storyline played out. Um, so there's a lot of uh, skepticism I think when when I come to a book, um, mm-hmm. but you know you just try and tell the best stories you can, uh, and you hope that you have good creative synergy with the other people that are working on the book, and luckily. Tim and I have, have meshed really well. Um, you know, we've had great editors on the book. Ryan Wynn was a spectacular inker for us, and now Andy Smith is doing the same, and Carlos Padilla, who's been on since day one, doing the colors. It's really turned out to be a good team. And for a book as ambitious as ours, with as many characters as we have running around, the amount of passion that the uh, creative folks are putting into it is is really nice, because it, it needs it in order to be a successful book.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's obvious, I mean... Y'all had to do some research and stuff, you know, uh, for this and a little bit. You have no idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll get into that. So let's just go ahead and start then. Um, sure. How how did you get your start in the industry, Adam?
2: In comics itself. Yeah. Uh, well, i have been writing animation for uh, for a while. Um, primarily boys' action adventure stuff. I have worked on shows like. Teen Titans and Jackie Chan Adventures and uh, X-Men Evolution and shows like that. Uh, And I had also um, had my own graphic novel published by a small company called AIT Planet Lair. Uh, And that book was called Hench. So I kind of was known to people in the comics industry, but not terribly well. But uh, I had a friend who was an editor at DC uh, for a while, a guy I went to college with named Ivan Cohen. And I went to uh, New York. Or other business and happened to pop in and visit with Ivan for a couple of hours and he asked me if I wanted a tour of DC. And purely as a fanboy, I swear to God, I said absolutely. And I went to the building and and the elevator doors parted and I stepped out and there's this giant mural of all the great DC characters, each one drawn by their their, uh, uh, most uh, uh, identified with artist. And I probably stood there for about 20 minutes before I called in to see if Ivan was even around. I was just gaping at this mural couldn't believe I was actually at DC Comics. And uh, Ivan showed me around DC, and uh, when he was done, he said, do you want to go and meet the editor of um, the uh, Teen Titans Go comic book? And Teen Titans Go was the book that was the spinoff from the animated series. And I said, sure. So he walked me into Tom Palmer Jr.'s office, and uh, Tom and I chatted about the show and chatted about animation and chatted about comics. And as I was leaving, I asked him if he would mind if I pitched him some stories for the book. And he looked at me and he said, why would you want to do that? You already write for television. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, "You don't understand. It's it's comics. <laughs> yeah. It's a chance to write comics." And he said, "Sure. You know, send me some stories." So I did, and he uh, bought one, and it saw print. And then uh, shortly after that, I was asked to become the regular writer of Justice League Unlimited, uh, based on the animated series, and uh, that led to work in the DC mainstream. So it all started there.
0: How did you get pulled over to Wildstorm? Because as far as I understand, this is your first stab at
2: yeah um well i had I had gotten to know Ben Abernathy through uh conventions in San Diego, and we had just chatted casually here and there and, and one convention I think it was maybe three years ago i can't remember now he uh, um, uh, and I went out for a beer after one day at the con and he was telling me about the storyline that would eventually wind up becoming world's end and and was asking if if uh, there was a you know a place for me in it and if there was a, something I wanted to do and he had an idea about uh, 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 my helping out you know, uh, with the direction of World's End or, or working on a book or what have you uh, and actually pitched me on an idea for, um, for some of the Wildstorm characters and uh, turning them into a uh, combination rock band slash assassination hit squad and uh, asked me what I thought of that. And I said, I think that if we do that with established characters, your fans will never forgive you. So I said, let's do it uh, with original characters. And he said, that sounds great, write up a proposal. So uh, rather than go to work on on World's End, um, I wrote up the proposal for what became the Killapalooza miniseries that came out uh, last year. And uh, while that was going on, um, you know, there were changes at Wildstorm and people coming and going. And uh, Ben was happy with the work we were doing on Killapalooza and uh, asked me if I wanted to come aboard on Wildcats uh, at the same time as the new creative team on The Authority, Mark uh, Bernardin and Adam Freeman. And I jumped at the chance. Um, you know, The chance to work with characters as great as these that have the history that these characters do uh, was too much to pass up, although I was pretty intimidated by the roster of writers and talent that's worked on the book uh, before me.
1: Yeah, we were talking earlier about uh, you know all the different characters you have to deal with um, in your Wildcats run. I mean, how do you keep
2: that all straight? (laughs) Uh, It depends who you ask. Some people say I don't. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, we had a very ambitious storyline blocked out when I first came on board. It was going to be even bigger and more ambitious than what we're doing right now, uh, involving lots of other characters and lots of other locations and what have you. And uh, that was tough to keep track of, I won't lie. And it was tough to figure out what was going to go into what issue. Um, about halfway through the, the run, uh, the editors and I talked and decided that it might be a good idea to uh, pull back a little bit on the scope of the storyline so that we were focusing more on the key Wildstorm characters and the Wildcats characters in particular. Uh, and that's made it a lot easier because I'm A, more familiar with them, uh, and B, um, it's just fewer characters to have to track from issue to issue. Uh, so uh, I've got a you know a notebook full of stuff, a folder full of research, and and lots and lots of computer files of notes that I've taken as to where we're going and where we're headed. Um, so I I refer back to that quite a bit.
1: Was the was the Gen Thirteen two issue stint you did was that part of some of the excess stuff? Is that why it got put in there or uh, no? Did um, I was
2: I was asked to do those two issues because Gen Thirteen's previous run was ending a couple of months before um, uh, the new guys on the authority and and I were were taking over our respective books and so they wanted something to be on the stands that would serve as a transition from what Gen 13 was doing into what we were doing and then would lead into what Phil's been doing so um, at first it was going to be one issue but that left us with a month off and wasn't really going to be able to serve enough as a a transition so I I lobbied for two issues and, and got it so we were able to do a story around the full team uh, in the first issue that we did Uh, and then in the second issue we were able to do more of a spotlight on one of the characters that hadn't really had a spotlight shown on him before Uh, and use that in the context of the war against the Red Blade so it showed how Gen 13 was becoming involved in the storyline that we had and that allowed us to uh, uh, transition pretty easily into what Phil's been doing so far and doing really well
1: yeah, you, you, uh, I think you came on the boards and said something about this because somebody had asked, you know, why all the new uh, kid version of the, some of the characters, like Kid Backlash and, you know, the other Crimson and things, and the other Void. Right. And you had said, I think, uh, something about that you wanted, obviously, to keep, you know, teenage characters in the book, even the those newer ones. Um, what made you decide that other than going back and seeing some of the other teenage kids that hadn't been used, like Jezebel or some of the other older characters we haven't seen for a while?
2: Uh, I just think there was a sense of wanting some fresh blood uh, in the in the Wildstorm universe. Um, and World's End and, and the Number of the Beast incident you know, provided a lot of great story opportunities for new characters to show up with powers that may or may not be connected to uh, existing and long-standing characters. So... It also was a chance for us to say, well, you know, the world ended, 90% of the world's population is gone. It's quite plausible that some of these characters aren't around anymore, they're incapacitated, they don't want to be heroes, they've lost their powers, what have you. So it was a good chance for us to jump in with some new uh, takes, some new ideas, and some new characters with some new powers.
0: Adam, what are some of your influences as a writer? Obviously you've come from animation, so this might be a little more eclectic than just comics.
2: Uh, you know, I, I like the same writers uh, in comics that just about everybody else likes. I, first of all, I have, since I've started working in comics, I have great new respect for writers of comic books because now I know how hard it is. I think before I, was, you know, I would read a comic and, at home and say, Boy, this, this sure seems easy. I could do this. And then you get into it, and boy, it's, it's a lot harder than you think. Uh, it's a lot to keep track of, and a, uh, it's really a whole other kind of discipline from writing animation. It's a whole different kind of writing. Um, so I really studied people whose work I admire and uh, a lot of them have wound up writing for Wildcats over the years in terms of like, uh, people like, uh, Alan Moore, uh, and Joe Casey and, uh, Christos Gage, um, and, uh, James Robinson, people like that are people whose books I, I really enjoy. Warren Ellis, uh, Garth Ennis, um, folks like that have really shown me a lot about how to write comics, uh. In addition to some of the uh, uh, writers from previous generations, who I think are vastly underrated—guys like Marv Wolfman and Jerry Conway, guys that I, you know, whose work I read when I was a teenager—all um, those people, I think, have contributed to what is, if anyone wants to call it that, my style. <laughs> um
0: it's been a long while since the Wildcats series has reached issue number 25. I remember the uh, <laughs> volume one took forever to reach 25 because they weren't regular back then. But yeah. the last couple times we've seen the 25 was volume two and that was in 2001 and it died quickly thereafter. And then Joe Casey's, you know, 3.0 almost made it to 25, but it stopped at 24 in 2004. So, uh, we just have to ask, how proud are you to have helped it reach this milestone?
2: We are definitely breaking issue 25, I can tell you that for certain. Um, you know, when Tim and I came on board, we were both determined to, to have the book come out regularly uh, and at as high a quality as we could possibly make it. Uh, we didn't want uh, the editorial department or, or people at DC worried at all about the book. Uh, we wanted it to be something that they could count on and know it was going to be out every month when it was supposed to be out on the right date um, with all 22 pages there Um, and we worked really hard at that I know Tim's very proud uh, of the kind of stuff that he's turned out um, especially dealing with the the number of characters he's had to deal with it's really heroic stuff Uh, and uh, luckily I write pretty fast so uh, we've been able to stay ahead of the schedule and um, hopefully the editors haven't had to to worry about us they know the scripts are going to be there and the art's going to be there when it needs to be
0: yeah, it it's definitely, I'll speak for both of us, but it's been impressive to see what you guys have been putting out and how regular it's been. It's amazing. Thank you. Um,
2: again, we we just, we wanted to, you can't really control fan reaction to a book, but there are some things that you can control, which is making sure you meet your deadlines and getting stuff in on time and getting it in the way the editors expect it, the way you pitched it to them. So, um, you know, we just wanted to control as much as we possibly could. <laughs> As far as that goes, and then let the chips fall as they may with fan reaction and uh luckily the the fans the hardcore fans on the on the message board, which is really the only place I check to see where reaction is, seem to have liked what we've been doing so far so we're we're pretty uh pretty gratified
1: yeah by the way, just let the listeners know as of recording this, we have not seen Wildcats twenty five yet so I would have loved to have had it last week to talk to you about it but huh. uh but like you said, obviously it'll be here in a couple days. Yeah. So looking forward 20,
2: to that. Does 25 come out before San Diego? No.
1: Yes. Oh, it does? Yeah, it's supposed to be out this week.
2: Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, well, I'll be it. interested to hear what, uh, what reaction is like to that issue. Because um, a lot of people have been asking for this story for a long time and speculating on how it would play out. And I'm talking about the fight between Midnighter and Zealot, which we've been building to for a couple of issues. And uh, i got to say, it was awfully fun to write.
1: Yeah. I take that back. They moved it again. It's the 28th. <laughs> they did. It got re Yeah. <laughs> it had nothing to do
2: with us, I promise you.
1: <laughs> they're just building up the suspense is what they're doing. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, and, that, and it's funny because that was, I I don't know, uh, that was something I never thought about with those two fighting each other, but I guess it makes sense, you know, especially the way that you've set it up. It totally makes sense.
2: Well, it um. seems to me that they would have sort of a natural dislike for each other. Uh, they, they come at things pretty differently, uh, and from, of course, very different backgrounds. So it was just a matter of, of finding something that they could uh, conflict over, and then letting that build. And um, the Spartans' plans for how to deal with rebuilding the planet seemed like a good way to go. Uh, and then it was just a matter of letting that ball roll down the hill, and uh, next issue, it hits the bottom with a pretty loud bang.
1: <laughs> well you know i mean she insulted apollo i pretty that's pretty much all all she needed to do <laughs> i mean yeah. you know for, forget about all the other stuff all experimentation i mean he was she was that you know it was over at that point <laughs>
2: yeah pretty uh, much it was pretty much on
1: speaking of which just uh now i brought that up uh i know one thing that that we've all discussed on the boards is maul's decision to go with her now, obviously, you know, I don't expect you to spoil anything, but is, is that going to be addressed as to why he ultimately decided to? Because so far it's kind of unclear what we've seen.
2: Well, he, he stated his motivation, I think, in 22 when he actually left. And mm-hmm. that's really the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, he just doesn't want to get caught in a situation like he was with the war against the Red Blade, where he could potentially wind up fighting his own kind and having to kill them. Um, you know, we've seen malls. Curiosity about his heritage and interest in the titanothrope culture, Um, and it seemed to me that he wouldn't want to be placed in a position where he would have to fight his own kind ever again. Uh, So to that end, he would um, embrace, to a degree at least, Zealot's plan of creating an army that would be ready in relatively short order to defend the Earth against all comers, so that whoever is out there interested in maybe attacking the planet would see this army and think, you know, what I'm going to look for easier prey. So it made yeah. it made sense to me at the time. I don't know if it came across clearly enough in the book. He's not going to be talking about it a whole lot more in terms of why I why I went with with Zealot, but uh, um, you know, you'll see the consequences of his actions.
1: Well, obviously, in the last issue, we could see that he was starting to regret it, or you know, uh, you know, when Midnighter called him out on it, you know, I think it, it was obvious that it, it bothered him, you know. So that, yeah. was cool to, that was cool to see that he hasn't ultimately made up his mind one way or the other. So it would be interesting to see where else he you know, takes it. Because, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. You know, that's something that was established way back in Alan Moore's run. Right. This, you know, him and his people. So that's, that's cool. I mean, that's yeah. obviously from your research. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jeremy's not a bad guy, and he's not as militant as, as Zealot is, obviously. But I think the core of what they both want is similar enough that it made sense for him to go. Uh, Also, I think, and I don't think this was stated in the book, that uh, it just seems to me that he would, if Zealot was going to be out there doing this, putting together this kind of army, it would make sense for him to try and be there to have some influence over how that was put together. Um, So, to me, it sort of made sense that he would go.
1: Yeah. This next question was kind of for Tim, but maybe you'll you'll know, uh, because basically...
2: This is great. All right. He doesn't talk anything like that. (laughs)
1: Um, You know, Tim came up with all the new costumes, basically for everyone for the Wildcats Authority Gen Thirteen. You know, Um, was that done with all the different storylines in mind, like yours and the other creative teams, or did he pretty much just? Have free reign, and then y'all just kind of worked it in. Because you did make a pretty cool, a pretty funny remark about it in one of the early, uh, early issues, where they mentioned, "Well, that's something about well, that, that explained the costume changes, you know, the, right. the magic," which was pretty funny, by the way. I
2: love that explanation. I can tell you the story about how that came to be. I don't, I don't know what the thought process was about having new costumes. Um, I think that the, the Shannon uh, Denton, uh, our editor, and a number of the other folks at the editorial staff wanted new costumes for the, uh, the line to give it a new look and they dealt with Tim on that uh, and I didn't have any input into that at all, so I didn't even know those were coming I was writing before I even knew the characters were going to change costumes at all um, and then I think it was a couple we were a couple scripts down the line before somebody said to me, you know, we should probably address why these costumes have changed <laughs> um, and I said, oh, well how do we do that in the middle of this issue where Spartan is laying out his manifesto and somebody just said Eh, blame it on magic. Um. <laughs> so, you know, the good thing about an incident like Number of the Beast and Armageddon is that you don't know exactly what kind of ramifications across the full scope of physical mm. and, and supernatural it could have. So you can use it as, a <laughs> as an excuse for a lot of different things. And I think that was sort of tossed in there and intended to be humorous so that we wouldn't have to really go back and explain it in great depth because, frankly, we hadn't thought about it.
1: Yeah, Tim Tim said in a couple of interviews that, that he he did change the costumes to make everybody more unique, you know, because obviously Wildstorm had gone to more realistic, you know, we had, you know, basically Jack Hawksmore in the t-shirt and black pants, you know. Right. <laughs> so that, And that was his look forever and ever. And so, you know, there's been discussion back and forth about, well, you know, was that really necessary? And I mean, some of them, I mean, it's just like any other, Costume changes. Some of them were all and some of them were not. So,
2: right. But, it's a I you mean, know, and it's a valid a valid question. People have been asking, why do they even need costumes in this brave new world where there's only ten percent of the population left? Um, it's because they're superheroes and they're in comic books. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I understand the point. I totally do. I mean, if you know, there's really not that much need for secret identities at this point. Um, you know, if you've got powers, there's no need for you really to walk around dressed in in colorful spandex, and uh, if you're gonna do that, chances are that by this time it's pretty foul-smelling and ripped and torn to shreds and doesn't look so good. (laughs) But we don't have the time or the page count to really get into details addressing that kind of realism. Uh, We have other stuff we want to talk about, so we're just hoping that the audience can roll with it, that these guys are still in costume, the costumes still look good, and they're still doing their thing.
0: Cool. All right, this is totally different topic than that um you helped introduce a great new villain with sebastian and the red blade are there any other classic wildstorm villains that you'd like to use um in the future
2: well all of them um <laughs> <laughs> if, Is if that i have shadowy? bring back Hellspawn. <laughs> <Kelspont. laughs> <Yeah>. spawn <laughs> you know if i if i have the chance i would love to use as many characters that exist in the wildstorm universe as, as possible But I'd also like to create some and and add something to the the legacy of the universe. Uh, You know, we introduced a new character in the last issue that people have been speculating about for a long time, this character Aeon, and uh, I'll be interested to see what the reaction is when that character's story fully plays out. Um, You know, there's so much going on in the book, and there's been so much going on in the book, it's really hard to introduce new characters, bring in old characters all the time. Um, you have to sort of keep to the, to the path that you're on. And then when we got the manifesto that we really wanted to scale back somewhat at least and focus on the, the longtime characters, the characters that fans really know, that took out some of the let's throw in Easter eggs by having so-and-so appear. Uh, we still do that from time to time and we do it as much as we can. But you know, we're really focused on the core characters and how they're responding to this current situation.
1: And real quick, just concerning Sebastian, I yeah. mean, I know he—he, he, he, I know he debuted in in the end of Stormwatch PhD, but but you guys just brought him alive. I mean, you made him within you know just a handful of issues one of the most worthy villains I've ever seen cool. in Wildstorm, because oh, nice. you know, you know, obviously some of the, uh, the classic ones had been dealt with in World's End, you know, like Kaizen, Gamora, and. Um, yeah, like Ben said, we you know we all love to see Hellspawn again, but who knows? He's probably still stuck in you know that un- unfinished Jim Lee project. <laughs> that's why we can't use him. I would assume that's why nobody can use him. But um, but yeah, I mean that dude is crazy, Sebastian. I'm talking about, yeah. you know. But well, you know, yeah. there
2: there had been a lot of build up to the Red Blade in Stormwatch before we got a hold of him, and there had been a you know a battle between. Stormwatch and the Red Blade and and Jackson using uh, Skywatch as a battering ram against the the ship itself, but uh, one thing that we really wanted to do was was take the opportunity to show why the Red Blade has such a fearsome reputation. Um, they They were plenty bad in Stormwatch, they were pretty evil, but we didn't really get a chance to see why they have been so feared for so many millennia and how they have trampled so many cultures underfoot as we had heard about. So what we wanted to establish in that very first issue when we took over was just how bad these Red Blade guys are. And rather than have them take it out on our characters, we were fortunate enough that there was a storyline going at the same time about sliding Albion, or Albion, I have no idea how it's pronounced, um, getting ready to reinvade the Earth anyway. So we were able to use those poor guys... Uh, uh, as cannon fodder for the Red Blade. And so they came through the bleed, and the Red Blade was there waiting for them, and we just took an issue to show how the Red Blade can wipe out an entire invading force with a snap of their fingers. So that by the end of the issue, when Sebastian shows up with, you know, Envy's head on a pike, uh, you're like, uh-oh, this guy really yeah. knows what he's doing. He's done this before.
1: That was an awesome moment, by the way. <laughs> a
2: lot of fun. A lot of fun to write.
1: So, so now that you brought that up, so is that why the Sliding Albion were in your story? Because it had already been building up in yeah. authority? So yeah. I guess you, you just kind of decided to add that in, or was, or how did well, all that work out?
2: <laughs> we knew it was a storyline that was out there that had been progressing, and we knew that if we didn't deal with it, at some point fans would say, hey, whatever happened to these guys? So rather than have have you all have to you know wait on pins and needles for too long, we thought, well, here's a chance to... Um, if you'll pardon the expression, kill a lot of birds with one stone. Uh, we, can take <laughs> care of the, we can take care of the parallel Earth, you know, England storyline uh, in one fell swoop and really get the Red Blade story underway and at the same time have a logical excuse to bring all of the Wildstorm heroes that are still on Earth together, or as many as they could find in that, you know, short amount of time. So it, it was a fortuitous uh, uh, coming together of a lot of different kinds of storylines. So.
0: Um, Adam, we haven't seen too much change in you know, the core characters, but I just kinda wanna know the motivation behind um raising grunge up as a as a key key character, um, you know, second to Spartan. And we're seeing it across some of the other Gen thirteen crew as well as Roxy over in the authority is also be given given a, a higher role.
2: Yeah. I wish I could take you know, credit for, for that idea. That was uh, something that came down from editorial uh, when I came on board. You know, they said to me, we'd really like to um, have Grunge progress a bit. He's, he's been the same basic personality and character for a long time. Uh, we'd like to keep that because he's a lot of fun. Um, but we feel like the jokes that we can do with that character in that mode have been played. We'd like to try and find something new for him. And everybody has always said, since Grunge first appeared, that he's a lot smarter than he acts. He just doesn't choose to uh, acknowledge it and play to it. So let's call him out on it. And um, uh, I liked the idea, because I liked the idea of a guy realizing his potential, potential that he actually knew he had but didn't want to realize, being forced into a position where he has to have some responsibility. You can still keep him the same wisecracking guy. You can still keep him the same, you know lusting after the babes with the big boobs guy. Um, (laughs) But he's got a job to do now. They all do, and this is really serious. And it was kind of neat to play grunge, realizing that a situation around him is truly serious and there's not a whole lot to laugh about. He's going to find stuff to laugh about while he's in the middle of it, but there's real work that needs to be done, and Spartan's putting a lot of trust in him, and we wanted to present Spartan as the kind of person you don't want to let down. And uh, I think it's been kind of fun to watch Eddie grow over the, the, the course of the, the run, and that's a thread that's going to continue to run all the way through what we're doing. Eddie is kind of our eyes into this new mega team. Um, you know, He's new to that a team that size as well, just like all the readers are. So um, we get a chance to experience what that's like along with him as he tries to find his place within that team.
0: Yeah, I, I think what you've done with him it really shows the importance of what they're trying to do. It reads very well. Thank you.
2: Thank you. We wanted to give them an important mission, and a mission that people would look at and say, boy, they're going to trust Grunge with this? <laughs> and, uh, you know, they they want to... Grunge, grunge is in charge of spying on John Lynch? You know, how, how is that going to work? And We think yeah. we've come up with a pretty good way to handle it, and, uh, and you know, a way that would make sense for Eddie to come up with on his own. So.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's definitely... His storyline has definitely been the the pleasant surprise, I guess, so far of what you've done, because it, it just is like, wow, you know, what a what a cool idea, you know. I mean, it's it's always in comics. It's always such a uh, they're always usually hesitant to make, especially young characters grow, because you know, once they get old, then you have to do you know retro retroactively change all that and you know get them back to teenagers, and you know we've seen that in other companies. So to see this with grunge and like Ben said with Roxy over in Authority, it is pretty cool. But it's it it is kind of sad because you know there's a, there's an innocence that's being lost too because they can't really be the way they used to be in this world, and um, uh, even Fairchild that, is, over in Gen Thirteen's experiencing the, the very similar stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, things had moved so fast since the Number of the Beast incident. You know, all of our heroes were trying to figure out just what was going on, what had happened to the planet, uh, putting out fires literally everywhere, dealing with crises as they popped up. There was very little time to stop and get a sense of how all these events were affecting the individual characters, how it was changing them. I mean, if you and I went through an event like 90% of the Earth's population disappearing, it would probably affect us pretty profoundly. And We wanted to find time amid all the action and stuff that we're doing, and we're going pretty fast, to show how some of these characters are are dealing with that. Um, the issue after the one that's coming out next week um, takes a, a look at Warblade and how he is getting involved in the situation and how he comes to realize just what has happened and the magnitude of it. So we wanted to in addition to just dealing with the big gigantic global threats, deal with the more personal side of it wherever and however we could. Uh, Jackson wanting to go off on his own and find a way to redeem himself. Um, Grunge taking on more responsibility. Uh, uh, we wanted to find moments like that for as many characters as we could in the time that we have. And we don't have a lot of time. 22 pages is not a lot and we've got a lot of ground to cover.
1: Yeah. Uh, Real quick, a question about Grunge. I think we talked about this on the podcast, and I don't know if you came on the boards and answered this, but there was a scene where he's looking at the at the old Gen 13 picture. Yeah. And then the other characters show up, but we couldn't tell if, if he's imagining that they're there with him, or the, were they really there and they just left it was afterwards.
2: Meant, it was meant to be a flashback.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what we figured, but uh, the way Tim did it, we weren't really sure.
2: Well... So. It probably wasn't Tim so much as, as my script not being clear, but it was intended to be a, a, a flashback and, and just grunge remembering the moment when Gen 13 left because we started issue 22 and Gen 13 just wasn't there in that gigantic group shot, so they had gone on their way somehow. We knew that Gen 13 wasn't going to stay with the larger team, so we wanted to get to that moment so fans would know how and why Gen 13 had left what that had meant to grunge that his friends had, had left him.
0: Adam, after two year, years in the World's End, man, I can't believe we're that far along already, um, there are still people out there who are hesitant to give World's End a try. What would you say to those out there that are still on the fence to try and win them over?
2: Well, it's tough because there's so much backstory that, that it's really intimidating, I think, to new readers. Uh, and we've talked about this on the boards. People have come on and said, where's a good place to start? and everybody picks a different place. <laughs> uh, there's so much, there's so, the history is so rich that there's n- not a lot of great immediate jumping-on points. That's why we've done, um, you know, that first page is a, is a bit of a recap. It's a status report uh, where we give the bare bones of what's going on. So if somebody just picks up the issue, they may not know every character or every character's background, but they have an idea of what the general storyline is. Um, it's tough. I think that I would say to people who haven't given World's End a try, I would say it's the kind of story that I don't really remember being told in this kind of depth before. We've seen post-apocalyptic storylines and, oh my gosh, the world has ended. I can't think of a lot of stories where the world has ended and stayed ended. Um, and so it's, it's bringing up a lot of questions and a lot of storylines uh, that I think don't get explored a whole lot. Uh, plus, it's a kick-ass superhero action book. You know, if you want to see people throwing punches and throwing all different kinds of zaps and meet all kinds of new cool characters that you may not have been exposed to before, man, this is the book for you. Um, so I think there are things that are appealing about it, uh, and uh, anybody who hasn't given it a try. you have also missed out on some great work by some really cool creators who have been on before us. Um, so if you're a fan at all of, of Grant Morrison and Garth Ennis and, and Warren Ellis and Christos Gage and Joe Casey and James Robinson... You know, this is a great way to find some stuff that you may not have known about.
0: Yeah, I, I think those naysayers that were out there, you know, just saw it as another reboot. But I mean, the way that you guys have handled it, it is the status quo, as was yeah. said earlier, and that yeah. that's been really exciting. You know, this is what they have to deal with. And in-
2: we were adamant about not wanting to do another reboot. Um, Wildstorm has been through a couple of them uh, in the last couple of years. And they've all been interesting, and they've all been good work. But I think you can only play that card so much before the fans start to think, okay, what's the real story with these characters? I mean, what's the real through line rather than starting all over, all over, all over again every time? And we wanted to, to say, you know what, we're, we're sticking with you. We're sticking with this story so you can see it play out uh, and not just cut off with no, uh, no answer as to how it ends. Um, we wanted to uh, keep that story going and figure out what kinds of stories we could tell within that that would still feel fresh and new without being a reboot or a relaunch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've seen those status reports kind of getting smaller and smaller, and I think that's okay. I, at the beginning of your guys' run, you know, they were long and drawn out, and it really helped catch people up. But I think as they start to go away, you know, we really only have to tell people to go four issues back and catch up, which is great. In, Thanks.
2: Yeah, yeah we, um, you know, th- those are going to continue in Wildcats. Uh, we'll, we're we're going to maintain the status report page throughout. I think it's uh, it's starting to fade out a little bit over in Authority, um, but I think that probably makes a little more sense because they've got fewer characters to deal with and probably fewer storylines. So we'll keep it up. Um, I think it helps uh, somebody who just happens to grab it off the stand. Um but uh, I think it's getting a little easier, hopefully getting a little easier to follow now.
0: Well, I, I mean, some people say that on the boards they don't know where to catch up. But, you know, Joe and I are admins over at the resource wiki. I mean, Wildstorm is one of the easiest universes to catch up on. The, the continuity stays throughout. I think yep. and in other books we have you know, other companies, they don't do that as well.
2: Something I had, I had toyed with the idea of doing, and I actually got permission from Wildstorm in D.C. to do this, was to do a, uh, a video commentary on each issue that I would post to the web, uh, where I would just sit down with Wildcats19 and, and say, okay, I'm Adam Beach, and I'm the writer of this book. Uh, I'm going to take you through what the thought process was in putting this book together and why we chose the images we did and why we chose the storylines we did. And first, here's some backstory on the Wildstorm universe so you know what we're talking about. And hopefully it would be of use to people not only who read the book, but people who are interested in comics in general. Um, I haven't followed through on that, obviously. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, in part because I'm not sure I really want my face out there. Doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe hold I up a cutout of really. Tim Seeley's face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe I do it as a, as a, a written blog or something. Um, and I'm sure there are other comic book writers who have done this kind of thing before. I'm sure it's not a new idea. But I think that, uh, that if I were a, a relatively new fan to the Wildstorm universe and I was coming in on this, I think I would find that useful. Also, if I was somebody interested in getting into working in comics, it might be useful. Uh, so, you know... Maybe that'll show up someday. There'll be a you know the the peek behind the curtain at this particular run of, of Wildcats.
0: I think that would be amazing, and I think a ton of people would love that. And if you need help producing it, we're your guys.
2: Right on! Thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll keep. We're that all in about mind. spreading the we're all about spreading the Wildstorm love.
2: Well, and and I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. And uh, um, you guys are are the Wildstorm, the hardcore Wildstorm fans are so dedicated. And, uh, and and care so much and so passionately about these characters, it's really been pretty inspiring. You know, this is not a throwaway line of comics. These are not throwaway characters. A lot of care, a lot of thought, a lot of emotion, a lot of passion went into creating these characters, these stories, in this universe. And to know that there are fans out there like you guys and like your listeners who care as much about the kind of work that the people are doing to put out the books, uh, it's, it's really, you know, we want to do good stuff for you. We want... We want you all to be pleased, and um, uh, you know I was I was really nervous when before the first issue came out to go on the board and see how the reaction was going to be, uh, and uh, feel really proud of what we've done and that you guys have responded as favorably as you have. And you've called us out on some stuff, and uh, and rightfully so. <laughs> and, uh, and we don't, you know, that's that's absolutely you're right. You know, there aren't letters pages in comics much anymore, so the internet that's what it's for. And uh, uh, you know, um, we've tried to answer your questions as much as possible, explain things as much as possible when it's been needed, drop some hints, and, and, and interact with you guys because you've been there for us all the way.
1: Yeah, and we do appreciate the interaction because, obviously, there's lots of other creators that wouldn't think twice about coming to a board and talking, you know, to the fans because, obviously, some fans can get pretty nasty, you know. Well, so
2: no one knows that better than me. <laughs> um, having, having been, been ripped to shreds for uh, the whole Cassandra Kane storyline um, uh, I was pretty nervous about coming back online and, and, and talking about anything that I do um, because some of those comments got really pretty vicious um, and, and fans have the right to say whatever they want to say online you know. and if they don't like a storyline they're welcome to say it in as, as loud and vociferous terms as they want um, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's not pleasant to read if you're the person right. who did the writing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so what I was hoping to do, and, and I'll say this as well. Whenever I've gone to a convention or a signing, no one has ever come up to me and been mean. No one has ever come up and said, you scumbag. What you did <laughs> to Sandra Kane, <laughs> I'm going to you know, burn your mother's house down. Uh, fans have always been very polite in person and very uh, upfront, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, I'm not really sure about this storyline, but I'm going to give it a chance, see where it's going. Or they've said, what was the thought process behind this? And I've talked openly with them in person about it. So one of the things I decided to try coming aboard Wildcats was to be a presence on the forum from the get-go, to let you guys know who I was and that I was a real person and that I was there and that I would respond amiably to any comment or question that was directed to me amiably and um you know there I saw the hesitant comments before I came on board Beechin's the guy who did this Beechin's the guy who did that and I wanted to come on and say first of all my name's Adam uh, <laughs> you know we're all friends here and uh, at least I hope and let's talk to each other like friends and let's uh let's talk about this book that we all like so much and if there's something we don't like let's you know let's bat it back and forth um you know, the story was pretty much fully plotted before I came to the message board, so I can't say that a lot of fan input has has found its way into the book, but at least there's that interaction there so that if you guys have questions, I'll answer. And, uh, and you guys have a sense of me, I think, more as a person now than as just a line and a credit in a comic book.
1: Yeah, I know personally I've fallen into the trap of, you know, letting other people goad me on and say things but I think in you know recent time I've gotten better about just telling myself, you know what, good thing about the internet is I don't have to click respond you know. Exactly- <laughs> and I've done that a lot, I've had people come on the walls from boards and be like, you're just a fan gushing all the time and I'm like, okay, next comment, I'm just, you know, and never answer them and I, I never hear from them again, I never hear them call me out and I'm like you can do it all you want, you know well, I, I don't have to a, click respond
2: <laughs> It's a lot easier to go on the internet, I think, and be critical than it is to go on and, and be uh, praising. People get very brave,
1: brave when they're behind a computer screen.
0: Well, it's <laughs> the anonymous internet. That's, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. <laughs> that's
2: and, and saying outlandish things in criticism, you know, whether you feel you may have a perfectly valid point in being critical of, of somebody's work or of a story that you've read, the easiest way to get your opinion known is to write it as outrageously as possible. Um, and And Sometimes the creator will actually read it, and sometimes they won't. And if they do read it, sometimes they may be hurt by it, and sometimes they may not. Um, But I think that, from my experience working with the Wildstorm message board, uh, I think that's been mitigated somewhat. I don't think the comments have been nearly as negative as they might have been because there's a dialogue between me, between Tim, and the hardcore fans that are on the board. You know, Carlos Badia comes on and, and he answers questions as well. So there's a sense that this is a group effort, I hope, and that we are we care about what the fans think. We're trying to do our best for the fans and that we're real people just like the fans. We're fans too.
1: Yeah. Obviously. I mean, I think that's part of what's you know, what we recognize, you know, you have done a lot of research, obviously. You <laughs> know, the the way that you've Intertwine some of these characters and stuff could have only, be do- only been done with the research that you said you did, you know, because well, you couldn't have just, just guessed your way through some of this stuff.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, really do appreciate
1: I, that, you know.
2: When I signed on board, I, you know, I, I had really come to Wildstorm with the authority, with Planetary, and with Warren's run on Stormwatch. So that was my jumping in point to all of the books. So when I came on board, Shannon was great about saying, what do you need as far as research material? And I said, whatever you can send me. And the next thing I knew, I had an enormous filing box of, of trade paperbacks and, and, and reference material. Um, uh, in addition, one of the hardcore fans of from uh, Stryker, <laughs> as he is well known to everybody, was also a great help to me, Uh, answered some questions that I had that I couldn't find answers to, whether they were online, because I'm an idiot, doesn't know how to use the Internet, or I couldn't (laughs) find the answers in a book. So I had a lot of that information at my fingertips as I was working through plotting the story. Uh, I printed a ton of stuff out that I found online. I had a file folder probably two inches thick of reference material, images, characters, character backgrounds, things like that. And there's still stuff that I haven't read. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I haven't read a lot of, for example, uh, Wetworks. You know, it's a great title. I love the characters. I haven't read a lot of it. And so I've been hesitant to include those characters maybe as much as some of the others. And I know there are gigantic Wetworks fans out there that want to see the characters appear in the book. But because I haven't done the research, um, I, I feel hesitant to include them for fear of getting something wrong. So we've tried to indicate those characters are active in this universe. We just haven't really put the big focus on them, although now they're having their, their own book come out, which I'm excited to see.
1: Yeah, and, and that's cool. I mean, and that, it's cool that you take that into consideration because obviously, you know, we'd rather you do what you just said than, like I said earlier, just trying to guess your way through, in this case, the wet works, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's cool, you know?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to just show up and have, you know, winter being French. I'm not going to say hey this guy looks like he's French we'll have him talk in a funny accent Uh, I wanted to get the details of the people who were going to be our core characters right and I knew that Wetworks weren't destined to be the core characters of this book so I focused more attention on the characters that were going to be prominent
0: Yeah, he learns from his past mistakes (laughs) you got the fear of God put in you
2: well you know what well, let, me, let me just say this. It's not I'm not that saying that it was
0: a mistake, it. by the way. I have known no, nothing I, about it.
2: No, I no. I, it's not to say that I didn't research Cassandra Cain uh, or, or any other book that I've worked on. I've done, I've done that with every book. But, you know, we're humans, <laughs> oh, yeah. just like the fans, and we're going to miss details that somebody's going to remember. And uh, we do our best, and the editors do their best, and that's all we can do. And oh, yeah. there's going to be stuff that, you, that slips through the cracks. And you just do your best to have as few of those slip through as possible. It goes back to my talking about you control as much as you can control. But even so, you're going to miss stuff. And it's regrettable. Uh, and you wind up dealing with it by having a character saying, oh, so that explains the costume changes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, not like, it's not like I jumped onto working on Robin however many years ago and said, all right, I know he's Batman's partner. I'll just start writing books. Um, You know, there's a lot of research that goes into it. You wanna you wanna jump in and have it be as seamless a transition as possible, and give people the characters that they know. Or if you're changing those characters, change them in a way that seems plausible to what the character's history has been. So, I love doing the research. I mean, I get to sit around and read comics. (laughs) Yeah. I do research on anything.
1: Speaking of the characters you're using, uh, you obviously are using a ton. Um, (laughs) So, are there any left that? you know, any characters or any titles that you would like to tackle, or even, even any characters that you're using now that you'd like to spin off in their own book?
2: Well, you know, the good thing about this book is that I've, I've been able to dabble with characters from all of the key Wildstorm books. Um, you know, uh, having come to the universe through primarily Stormwatch and The Authority, those are characters I really enjoy writing. Not that I don't enjoy writing Wildcats, I just didn't get to the universe through those characters. Uh, I've come to appreciate them a great deal now. But, you know, I love the chance to write Apollo Midnighter scenes just because I loved that relationship when I was reading it when Warren was writing it Uh, and what Mark did with it and and everybody else. Those are great characters. They're really fun characters. And same with with Hawksmore and over at Stormwatch with with Hellstrike and Fuji, who are, you know, just a great comedic duo to bounce off of each other. Um, So, you know, I, I would like to someday maybe write more traditional Stormwatch stories, or more traditional authority stories, or even more traditional Wildcat stories, and deal with the core characters in their established group dynamics and try and come up with stories within that. One of the one of the things I've pitched to, um, oh I think we lost somebody.
0: We lost Joe, but go ahead,
2: continue. Oh my God, Joe, come back. <laughs> um, one of the things that I've pitched Wildstorm on doing uh, in the past, and I don't know if it'll ever happen, is a uh, um, either a limited series or an ongoing series with Apollo and the Midnighter, covering the years between when they left Henry Bendix and when they joined up with the Authority. They were underground for a number of years. And how did they survive? What did they do? And conceivably, that would cover the the start of their relationship with each other. So I'd like to tell those kinds of stories.
0: That would be amazing. I think everybody would love to read that.
2: It'd be fun. Someday, I hope I get a chance.
0: All right. Well... I think we'll wrap this up with a fun question. Okay. Or at least I hope it's fun. Everybody's been dying to know, and I'm joking here cuz I'm the only one that cares. <laughs> who came, who came up with the idea to uh, that you guys are all cats in the titles. You're obviously writer Cat, Tim is Pencil Cat. Right. I that was think me. it's I just think it's hilarious. Nobody else really cares, but I do.
2: No, that was that was me just wanting to have some fun. I kind of, I kind of regret it now because the stories we've been telling have been so serious. And then <laughs> credits and it's like wackity schmackity do, but uh, but it was just a, it was a chance right. to have a little bit of fun. Shannon, our editor, would sign off every email he would send to us with "storm out," which I always thought was pretty funny. And nice. so I wanted to throw a nod of, of something like that into the credits. Uh, so it's been fun, and we're gonna we're gonna keep doing that all the way through. That's awesome. Thanks. Welcome back, Joe.
0: Thank you. <laughs> do you. Do you have any last words, Joe?
1: Any last words before I? Get any last <laughs> words? Yes,
0: before you drop again. For Adam specifically.
1: No. Just once again, just thank you for making this book fun again. I mean, it just really has been a blast to read. It's it's it is definitely the you know I'm I'm obviously biased towards Wildcats, but uh, you know I love I love looking forward to this book each month. So.
2: Thank you. I'm I'm glad you like it. And before we go, um, we should uh, uh, um, promote something that's coming up. The San Diego Comic Convention is this week. There is a, a Wildstorm panel fr- uh, Saturday night at 6:30, 6:30 to 7:30. Um, I don't know if either or both of you fellas are going to be there, but we yeah, talked about will. This on, on the message board a little bit. Uh, after the panel, we're going to have a, a pretty relaxed confab. Uh, if you're a hardcore Wildstorm fan, or if you're just a fan at all. Uh, we're gonna sit down and hang out at the hyatt bar uh... downstairs for a while starting at about eight thirty and just chat and drink cold beverages and talk comics and talk whatever you want and i'll be there for at least an hour so uh... it's a chance to just sit down really informally and talk comics uh... so if you're there and you feel like joining us you'd be more than welcome
1: yeah just be careful how much beer you give chris striker <laughs> <laughs>
2: I hear he's too young to drink. Uh, well,
1: That's a lie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing everybody, though.
1: Yeah, no, I'll I'll be there. In fact, on Saturday, I'll be I'll I should, fingers crossed, have a Wildstorm Addiction T-shirt that I'll be wearing. So.
2: Oh, right on. Let me uh, know if you make extras; I'll buy one from you.
1: Okay. <laughs> Uh, not, not this time, but yeah, maybe maybe in the future. It took me right. a lot to get this one done. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you use crayon on an actual T-shirt? Do what now? Did you use crayon on an actual T-shirt?
1: Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, like that way I'll never be able to wash it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. No, uh, just ordered one. <laughs> Very cool.
0: <laughs> anyway, so that's all I got, Ben. All right. Thanks Adam. We All right guys, it. thank you very
2: much. You have a good night. You too. Let me know when this is uh when this is up. I look forward to checking it out and sending people this way. Absolutely. Alright.